Well, thank you. Good morning, church. Good to be here. Thank you, Pastor Marlo, to invite us to share a little bit of what we do. How can you put 35 years of ministry into three minutes? You know, it's impossible. But you get a little bit of understanding what God is doing through our lives. And naturally, as Barbara said, you know, we are so thankful for you and your giving and your prayers uh, that you uh, pray for us you know, on occasion or even maybe on a daily basis. We need it because the times are tough and sometimes our lives is in danger. But Praise God, you know, we have made it so far, and we are continuing our ministry as God is giving us strength and health to do everything that God has already pre-planned for us. Thank you, Harvey. You preached half of my message. You know, I was, I was really thinking, why am I coming even up? You know, he did everything that I was going to say. You know, read the scriptures, said the things, you know, and I'm thinking, goodness, you know, now as a homiletic teacher, I have to kind of sift through my sermon and see what I leave out. Out and what I still keep, you know, to tell you something new, because he has already taken it from me. All right. That is a good thing, you know, because you see, you know, this is the leading of the Spirit. Amen? We are all on the same page. We are all talking the same thing, but the Spirit gives. Well, let's dive into the message. I have only a few minutes left, you know, and so we need to do that. And so 1 Peter 10, 1 Peter 4, chapter 4, verse 10, and verse 11. I think we're going to get it on the screen here. And so... We're going to read it together, all right? Is it possible? Can, can you stand with me, please? And let's read it together out loud, okay? Your church has a good voice, so you can do that. Let's start. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Amen. Let's pray. Just a short prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that we once again can open the scripture and hear the truth that you want to communicate to us. I pray that you will bless each one of them. Anoint us by your Holy Spirit to listen, to hear, and then also to do what the Word of God says in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, this is an anti-message. You know, Harvey already alluded to it, you know, church going through persecution. There is more awaiting them for. And so, you know, they see that there's a lot of things uh, going to happen. And uh, Peter being inspired by the Holy Spirit, you know, he's given the church a little bit of word of encouragement so that they can actually understand what is ahead of them and how do they, uh, they need to face these times. And so, you know, if you realize that, you're going to realize also now that Peter is outlining here the lifestyle and the attitudes for end times believers. What does it mean end times? Well, we are talking about last times and we are talking about the last day of the last days. And we're going to explain a little bit about this uh, a little bit later. So Peter's outlining this in the chapter 4. I was given this by Pastor Marlowe. You know, it's a nice thing when you are a speaker that you get a text. So you don't have to worry about praying about what am I supposed to preach. You know, I have already a chapter. You know, so I actually took only verse 10 and 11 as my message out. Because I cannot extrapolate all the scripture of chapter 4. Because then you would have to come here for the next five days and listen to me uh, to, as to what the Bible says there. Okay. Okay? So here's the point now, just the outline. First of all, he says here, we are to live sober. 
Now, what does that mean? You know, there's a little Greek word there, you know, it's a very interesting one. It is sophroneo. And that means, you know, sound-minded or a person be self-controlled. That means, you know, that whatever you encourage and whatever you speak, whatever you uh, live in your life, circumstances that you see in your life coming and going, that in all these things, you would have perfect sound mind. That means that you can assess properly, that you can see the situation the way God sees it, and then you can help yourself to better navigate through those circumstances that you are going to achieve victorious life as Jesus Christ has already promised us. So he says, no, he, we ought to live sober, verse 7. Then in verse 8 and 9, he goes on, and he says that we should also seek you know, ourselves and direct ourselves to prayers. And it's interesting here, you know, that when he's talking about prayers, he's talking about that we should, you know, uh, for his sake, uh, have our prayer prayed the way God wants us to pray. That means, you know, that the prayer has to be clear, it has to be reasonable, it has to be specific, and it has to be also within the will of God. And a lot of times, you know, when it comes to specific prayer, Christians don't know how to pray. Disciples didn't know how to pray. <laughs> they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. Why? Because they realize that his prayer is different than theirs. He realized, you know, uh, they realized that uh, what Jesus is saying in prayer, they didn't pray. And so he says, teach us how to pray. And he says here specifically, if you would go into the uh, Bible study uh, passage, you would realize that he is say, uh, saying about, for the sake of your prayers, your mind needs to be uh, self-controlled. It has to be sound-minded so that your prayer coming out according to the will of God so that God is pleased with it. And so you have to have a very specific prayer. I had a lady, you know, in, uh, in Chile, you know, coming up to me in a huge crusade service, and she came in the front, she says, can you pray, please pray for me? I said, okay, so what do you want me to pray? She says, I want you to pray that God would bless me. And that was a poor 30-year-old woman, you know, with a little uh, child on her arm, you know, and I said, okay, let's pray. I said, Lord, give this lady 10 children. And she says, no, 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 no. She says, no, I don't want to have 10 children. Well, I say, look, the Bible says children are a blessing of God. 10 children are a real blessing of God. So why would you not want to have it? No, 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 not this. I said, then tell me what you want. Specific. Our prayer needs to be specific. You tell God exactly what you have in your mind, and God's going to correct it and put it into his context so that your prayer will be answered. And then, you know, we see here in verse 9 still, we should fellowship with one another. How? He says, God has given each of you a gift, you know, that we can practice, and that is that we practice hospitality. We need to practice hospitality to one another without complaining and be gracious as you do that, representing Christ. Wow. So that means, you know, anytime, you know, you practice hospitality, you are representing Christ. Why? Because you belong to him. And whatever you do, you remember you're representing Christ. And that's what he said here. Verse 10, he says, then we should be working for the Lord. We heard that uh, passage already read here. 
because every one of us was given a gift. And we should use these gifts in order to do God's will according to the plan of God. And then, you know, he says also that we should uh, be ready to give an answer to all for the hope that is in us so that these people can be encouraged and grow in God. And the last thing is then in verse, seven, uh, verse 11, point seven is that we should glorify God in all that we do. In all that we do, we should glorify God. God. Man, that's amazing truth. Because you see, there are many points here, you know, that needs to be uh, taken out, but uh, we don't have time this morning, maybe some other time. So now, how is that all working? You see, first of all, God had a plan. And God's plan is far different than you and mine. And what we understand of God's plan is very little as compared to what God's plan is. And the Bible tells us, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, all right, there it says, in the beginning. Now, I'm not going to extrapolate too much of that, you know, because in Greek language here and in Hebrew, the words are different. It says, in beginning. And there is this word that is being used, Bereshit bara Elohim. You know, it's saying, you know, in beginning. So what is beginning? You know, before anything was created, before anything was done, you know, there was this nothingness. And into this nothingness, God spoke, you know, in the theological language, we always use that uh, wonderful Latin word, ex nihilio nil fit. You know, it means out of this, uh, nothing comes nothing. But God spoke into that nothing and began to create according to his plan. And now the Bible tells us, you know, in First Peter 1, Chapter 1, verse 20, you probably have already taken this through your studies. It says, he, that is Jesus, for the joy, that, no, uh, he indeed, no, the Jesus himself was foreordained or chosen before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last days. Now, Jesus was foreordained before there was anything, before there was universe, before there was anything, there is God. And in God, Jesus is already ordained or chosen to be the savior of the world. Now, creation came later. All the things that you see today came later. But before all that came, Jesus was there, already appointed, chosen to be the savior of the world. And in him, God revealed the plan. Now, if you would, if you're a scholar, if you are at least uh, uh, studying some of the Hebrew, you would realize that those words, Bereshit, Bara, Elohim, you know, the, 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 uh, actually the language itself is pictogramic, you know, and you see each one of those pictograms releases, you know, a knowledge or understanding of what God has planned. And in these first words, in beginning, is actually outlined seven years of redemptive history. In those two little words that we have in English, in the beginning, but in Hebrew, you know, pictograms show us the whole picture, the plan of God, how he's going to work, you know, and achieve that redemption for the mankind. And so that's what the Bible says here. And so Peter says, indeed, you know, he was foreordained, foreordained, I mean, chosen already before the foundation of the world, but to manifest in these last days. So Jesus was sent into this world to be the savior 
of the world. To save people from their sin, from their bondages, from everything, you know, that the sin has caused us to live and experience in this world. Jesus became the Savior. And so when Jesus came, the Bible says, you know, that Jesus also said to his disciples. And he said to them what? He says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And now what are we supposed to do? Well, we were supposed to go out, preach the gospel, tell people about the kingdom of God, tell them about Jesus, tell them about the love of God, salvation that is available for everyone who believes. And now, in verse 11 it says, whosoever speaks, to, that is to the congregation, is to do so as one who speaks the oracles or utterances of the word of God. You know, it's interesting to see how the church today is so different from what Jesus intended to be. Now, there's a study, I'm just giving you a quick stat, you know, there's a study there, 7,000 churches in North America were surveyed and trying to find out as to where things are at. And they realized, they say, most people show up for the show, but they don't show up to serve. That's the state of the church. Most people show up for the show, but they don't show up to serve they are actually a majority of a passive spectators rather than active participants in the mission of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's a responsibility. When you receive a gift, there is a responsibility because the gift is given for the purpose of using the gift. And no, if we don't use our giftings, you know, we are responsible for as to how are we going to answer one day to Christ himself. And so that's why it's written here, as each has received a gift. You know, one time I was talking about this passage, you know, and one of the uh, persons from the congregation gave, he says, you know, can you tell me what does the word each means in Greek? I said, look, don't be smart aleck, you know. <laughs> in Greek, that means each. Yeah, but what is the Greek word says? I said, the Greek word says each. Okay, don't, you cannot get away from that. So each one of us has received a gift. And once you realize that, that you are gifted, you are responsible for exercising this gift in your church and places, wherever you got this place you. Now, with that statistic, say 30% of people, typical churchgoer, are not engaged in any meaningful ministry. That means 70% of people that you see in our congregation, this is an average, this is not your church, but this is an average. 70% of people that come to church are not engaged in any kind of a meaningful ministry in the church. And that's not supposed to be, because each one of us has received a gift. That means, you know, there's a potential, there's opportunity, there's a place for you to minister in your church, expanding this kingdom of God, as we heard already, you know, so that Jesus Christ may be glorified in his church. You have a gift, you have skills and abilities. And, you know, it's interesting, when you go down to Exodus chapter 31, God comes and stops Moses as they are going through the wilderness, stops in there and says, Moses, I have a project for you. And Moses, okay. And God says, I want you to build a tabernacle, a portable tabernacle, 
something that is a replica of what is in heaven on earth. And Moses looks at, wait a minute, uh, you ask me, I'm a Moses, you see, you ask me to build a replica of something that you, Almighty God, built in heaven, and now I'm supposed to build this on earth? We are in the wilderness. There's no bulldozers, there's no, you know, uh, equipment, there's no stores to go to, there's none of that stuff. How in the world do you expect us to build a tabernacle in the wilderness? And God said to Moses, don't worry about it. What do you say? I have chosen Bezalel, one of the craftsmen among those two million plus people. I have chosen Bezalel, and I have put my spirit in him, and he will produce whatever is necessary for this tabernacle to be accomplished. Now, what is God doing with Bezalel is very simple. He takes his spirit and puts into this man. And now when he puts that spirit into this man, his skills and his abilities and everything that this man is, is elevated into a supernatural realm. Now his gift is not only on a human level, on a natural level, now his gifts are elevated into the supernatural level. And then, you know, you suddenly see that he can do things that he could otherwise not do. You know, I always think of that. We preach the gospel, and I go, as you've seen, we go to Muslim countries, we go to Hindu countries, the Buddhist countries, and other countries. How do these people come out of the Buddhist faith or out of the Muslim faith or, you know, whatever faith they may practice, how do they come and convert and repent and come into the kingdom of God unless our ministry is a supernatural ministry? To Jeremiah, God said what? I'm going to... Make your words in your mouth a fire. Supernatural. Because you see, the work of Jesus Christ, the church, you here this morning, you are a supernatural work of Christ in your and through your life. And in church, supernatural things happen. And that's why it's so important that we bring those gifts to the Lord, that we elevate them to him and say, Lord, use me. And the moment you say, Lord, use me, God's spirit empowers us. The Lord will never ask anything of you to do by your own strength and your power. Because in the kingdom of God, things need to go in a supernatural way, in a supernatural level. You know, people get healed. This is not the work of a doctor. This is the work of Christ. People get delivered. You know, this is not the work of man. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, so we have to see that, you know, this happening. When I preach the gospel, I know there's two things that could happen in that particular uh, uh, service. And that is, you know, when we preach about uh, people need to uh, receive the Lord. No, they need to repent. You know, repentance is always a thing, you know, that a lot of people don't understand. Because there is the repentance of contrition and there is repentance of attrition. And, you know, see, a lot of people, you know, go by the attrition but not contrition. And so if there is no proper, you know, uh, repentance in their life, you would realize these people will never convert or be changed into the image of God, become children of God, and inherit the kingdom of God. So it's very important, the first steps, the foundation, as you are building out there, your expansion, the foundation is very important, because if that foundation is no good, that thing is going to collapse sooner or later. So, you know, 
To get into the kingdom of God, Jesus told Nicodemus, no, you must be born again. So how does that happen? It happens by the preaching of the gospel, sharing the truth, and this man now realizes that he needs to receive eternal life. And so, you know, the Bible says, you know, then the repentance of sin and accepting Jesus brings him to the point of being born again. And that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. You've got to be born again if you want to have a chance to get into the kingdom of God. And so that's where, you know, the thing's very important here. Gifts are given for the purpose of service. I have several gifts. I'm using them as I can and as God allows me to use it. But, you know, it's interesting. When I watch other people, I have students like Barbara said in my classes you know, like uh, some of those students know I have their master's degree program, you know, so I'm teaching there. And these are all pastors already, 10 years, 20 years uh, of ministry and so on. And I am looking at them, I'm thinking, wow, you haven't used your gifts. Because they're only educated, no, and education becomes a, a tool which they use for ministry. That's one part. I say, you have giftings like this, and you have giftings like this. Why don't you use these giftings? Well, I'm a pastor. I say, yes, but you have giftings that you can use that is over and above and beyond your call of being a pastor. I had a guy in my uh, class. You know, if you look at him, you would say, well, he could probably make it in the ministry. He went to a church because, you know, usually students that get out of the college, they don't get to, like, to be in a big church, you know. They send him to small churches, struggling churches, churches that are not doing well. And so they send him to this one church in South Germany and said to him, okay, there's a church, you know, so, uh, you know, they would like to have you as their pastor. So when he came there, one of the elders told him, I don't know why you came here. Because we just had a board meeting and we just kind of discussed the issue that we're going to close the doors. He said, what? I don't go to churches that closes the door. I'm going to churches that is opening the door because there's a ministry to be done. So he gathered everybody together and he says, I want to see every person of this church. I want to talk to them personally. He got them on board, you know, and they start working. You know, this church today, that's probably about eight, nine years ago or so, you know, today that church is 2,000 people. There is no hall that they can rent in the city that they could hold the services. So they have to hold free services on Sunday because there's no room for as many people as they have. Why? 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 This church is closing. Only 30 people left, and we're just going to close the church. Why is the church now over 2,000 plus and growing and growing and growing? You know why? Because everybody in that church is involved in the ministry. Your gifts that you have are irreplaceable. God wants you to know that he has empowered you. He has given you gifts so that you in your life can serve God to the glory of Jesus Christ and God himself. Just think of it. What can you do better, more effectful, than do something that has eternal value? 
You see, we are not working just with people. We are working with people who have a life that is eternal. And when you work with people like this, you know, if doctor makes a mistake, uh, operating a person, that person dies. Well, you know, it's very bad, you know, it's a sorrowful thing. But imagine people that go internally lost because they have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because someone who is a gift did not operate it within that gift. And as I speak right now to you, there's couples, there's uh, places, there's families that are falling apart. People are getting divorced. You know. There's a, a household there where the husband, you know, is drinking his money away. And there's uh, people, you know, where young people in the, the house itself, you know, they're on drugs, you know, and they're doing all kinds of things and parents don't know what to do with them. There's needs, there's financial needs, there's all kinds of health needs and so on and so forth. And these people, People need to have someone to tell them that Jesus Christ is the answer. Imagine someone has not told you because they were withholding their gifts. You wouldn't be here this morning. You would have no hope of eternal life. And that's why Peter says, look, you know, I'm encouraging you. Use your gifts. Help Jesus Christ building his kingdom because all of us are on the mission of Jesus. Jesus started it and now this mission is continuing and is growing and is developing into what we know now, the church that he is going to take home. And that's why it says no. But now God has placed or arranged the parts of the body, each one of them just as he willed and saw it fit with the best balance function. You see, every one of you is placed in particular place in the church of Jesus Christ to the best function so that there is going to be 100% return and success because of you. And so God wants you to be that wonderful gift, you know, that he has given to you. Uh, a person that shares, person that gives, person that practices hospitality, person that is uh, teaching, person that is uh, praying, person that is preaching, person that is sharing the gospel, person that visits the neighbor when they are sick, you know, and shares the gospel. And then, look, Jesus Christ, you know, is the healer. We can help you. You know, we can use gifts in so many ways. You go to the store, you can talk to the people there. You are, you know, in the office, you can talk to people there. They need to know. But see, the problem is that sometimes we are not trusting ourselves that what we have is good enough. Well, that's why we have a Holy Spirit. If I would not have the Holy Spirit's power, I would not be going around the world. I would stay in home go to an assembly line and work there. But I see miracles. I see wonders. I see signs. I see people healed. I see people, you know, they were lame. They walk, you know, people that came out of addiction. I had a guy, you know, coming in Japan in one of my services. He had AIDS. He was full of AIDS. You know, that guy, you know, when you saw him, you know, it looks gruesome almost, you know, that AIDS already, you know, was uh, affecting his life. And he came into my service, you know, and I'm looking at the guy, you know, and tears started to flow down my cheek. I said, God, you got to help this guy. He's dying on AIDS. He doesn't know Jesus. And I lay my hands on him. I say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. That guy's face changed within seconds. 
Suddenly you see his face started to clear, uh, be clear and started to change, you know. And he started to change. And all of a sudden he says, I am healed. The whole church was starting to rejoice and praise in the Lord. And he was not the only one. There was other people like that. You see, our ministry is not done by man's power. It is done by God's power. Why? Because Peter says very clearly in verse 11, he says, variety of gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God, you know, unmerited favor. For what? So that his name may be glorified. I'd like to encourage you. Get involved. Get involved. You can do something that is going to bring benefits for the rest of your life and for eternity to those who are going to receive that gift from you, whatever that may be. And I can tell you one thing. When we were building Southside, Barbara says we came to Edmonton uh, when we were building Southside. And you know what happened? As we were building the building, I said to the church, first to the board of the church and then to the church, you know, we are not going to go as an old man in, uh, with a new suit on into the new church building. We're going to go as a new man into the new building. That means, you know, you can have an old man, you put a new suit on, it's still an old man, right? But when you, when you have a new man and new suit, that's better. And I said, we are going to build this church and we are going to continue to work hard and we're going to prepare the body because, you know, the moment these doors are going to be open, there's going to be people coming in from left and right, from this town and other towns, they're going to come. And we better be prepared as a church to exercise our giftings so we can Serve these people as God serves through us that they may be blessed. And that's my encouragement this morning for you from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. Be useful to God. You know, think about it, pray about it. See, or some people say, well, I don't know what my gift is. Start ministering, start working, start doing something. And as you do that, God's going to show you your gift that is there and is going to propel it into the supernatural realm for you to minister unto others. Father, we thank you this morning. That you have chosen every one of us in Christ Jesus. We are your children and we are your co workers. And because you have chosen us and you have gifted us, given us ability, the supernatural power of your Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, that we may minister not only to one another, but also to those who are very needy people outside in our area and surrounding. And I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would equip everyone again and give them the knowledge and understanding how useful they are in your kingdom, that they were not only participants, but that they are going to be practicing their gifts as they come, Lord, that they are going to see the benefits of it, that the joy of the Lord is going to come into their lives as a result of what you are doing through their lives. And so I pray, Lord, that you will bless everyone and then bless the leadership of this church. I pray, Lord, that you will bless them as they continue to raise funds for the building and continuation of the building. Father, I just pray, let your name be glorified in everything that we do. Let your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.